Well, good morning, good morning. Hello, everyone online. This is my first opportunity to talk to a live, live audience in a, in a while. So uh, I warned Jessica. I said, uh, she's on camera one right there. And I said, good luck keeping up with me. Uh, you'll, anyway, I'm just saying. Y'all know how I can get. I can get a little pacey. So I'm going to try to limit that today. I guess uh, what I need to do before I do anything else is eliminate any distractions of y'all talking amongst yourselves by acknowledging the elephant in the room. I do have on new shoes today. So, uh, so I tell you like I told my little girls, I said you'll get used to these shoes and whenever the other ones will grow back. So anyway, all right. If you're watching, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You don't need to know. It doesn't matter. Oh, man. I want to be continuing this morning in a series about David. And I'm really excited to have the opportunity to share this particular story with you guys. And to be honest, it's really a part two to what Ronnie shared with you last week. Uh, if you'll go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, that's where we're going to begin this morning. But before we do that, I want everyone to just close your eyes real quick. All of you that are watching online, close your eyes. And I want you to say these words with me. God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to hear what you have to say. I want you to speak to me. And I want you to help me this morning. To hear what you say. And to take and use what you say. And everybody says, Amen. Alright, let's get going. So Ronnie's story last week centered around the retrieval of the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant uh, to the Israelites, more importantly, to the possession of David and his kingdom, to Jerusalem. And if you don't remember what the Ark is, it is a chest made of wood and gold, and it represented the power and the presence of God. It dwelled in a tent, and that's where priests would go, and they would be in the presence of the Ark, and God would appear in the form of a cloud, and he would speak to them to the priests and tell them what they were to do. The ark, when, in Ronnie's story, had fell into the wrong hands. It had been returned and it was being kept by some people. And David attempted to go retrieve the ark to bring it to Jerusalem. And this story that Ronnie told talks about two attempts. The first attempt was a failure. The second attempt was a success. And the difference is, on the first attempt, David followed the example of a group of people, the Philistines pagan people and he followed their example and it was a complete failure the second attempt David looked and he read in God's word the instructions for how the ark should be handled and when he did that he was successful here was Ronnie's point last week anybody remember it he was read and follow God's instructions first that was his point all right shake your heads yes if you got that Okay, so that was the point last week. This week, our story is going to center around the ark again. Okay, and it's going to talk, we're going to be talking about David. As we begin in chapter 7, we find out that after all of the fighting, the civil unrest, the conquering, every battle that David has led, that he finds himself a king in a time of peace. All right, read with me in verse 1. After the king was settled in his palace... And the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies around him. All right, stop. Guess what? David don't have a battle to fight, right? It's a time of peace, right? Uh, he doesn't have any problems to solve. 
He doesn't have anything going on. And I don't know about you guys, but when I read about David, especially these por- this portion of his life, he just, he's a man of action, right? He's a man on the move. He was on to the next thing, the next battle, the next conquest. I kind of imagine David in this moment. He's, he's finally got rest. He's finally getting a break. I kind of imagine him like Ronnie on vacation right now, just filling up notebooks with ideas and thoughts and all the stuff that he plans on telling us when he gets back. You know what I mean? He just can't help himself. That's, what, that's the way I imagine David, okay? So David is there in his kingdom, and he's looking around. He's got nothing to do. Read what happens. In verse 2, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. All right, so we have a little bit to unpack here. First off, who is Nathan? That ought to be the question you ask. You read this, you go, well, who's Nathan? Because we haven't been introduced to him yet in the, in the story. Well, Nathan is a prophet. He is, uh, basically, God made sure that during the, every king's term, there was a prophet there to represent him. And Nathan is now the prophet that is alive, and he is essentially David's counselor. He's David's advisor. I'm sure they had regular meetings where they got together and they just talked. And he acted as a, Nathan acted as a sounding board, for, uh, sounding board for David, what he had on his mind or what he was thinking, what he was praying about. And so in chapter 7, we pick up in one of those meetings, right? So David looks at Nathan and he says, man, here I am living in this house of cedar. And the ark of God is out here in a tent. In case you didn't know, cedar was a fine, the finest wood. It was significant of royalty. So what is David essentially saying is David's saying, Man, I've got the best house money can buy. I've got the best house money can buy. I'm living like royalty. However, the ark of God, God's presence, his, what represents his presence, his power, it's out there, and it's in a tent. What do you think David's saying? He wants to do something about it, right? He wants to, he, he's thinking about changing this, and that's what he said to David, and that is exactly, or that's what he said to Nathan, and that's exactly what Nathan understood him to mean. He wants to build a lavish, beautiful, spectacular place for God to reside in. He wants to build a temple. Nathan hears him out. Okay, makes sense. Seems good. It's probably good. Read what Nathan says to him. Verse 3, Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you, have, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it. Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it. And that's what he says, for the Lord is with you. In a couple of different translations, it actually says that Nathan says, whatever is on your heart. Whatever you got on your heart, David, you do that. So Nathan's advice was, I concur, David. I agree. You should definitely do that. Follow your heart, David. God's with you, right? Everybody shake your heads yes at me. It helps me, guys, if you do this. Okay, thank you. Just a little bit, you know. Nathan, like I'm almost positive we would, he, he recognized how much God had blessed David. He recognized that how God helped and supported him at every turn. He recognized that it seemed like, you know, David was successful at almost everything that he did. Because of God. It all makes perfect sense, right? So Nathan says, two thumbs up, man. Roll on. Now look what happens in the next verse. In verse 4, but that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying. So this means God showed up and he is talking to Nathan. 
verse 5, he says, Go and tell my servant David that this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build a house, to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Somebody tell me what he's saying. He's saying, don't do it, right, Ann? He's saying, hang on a second. I didn't ask for that, right? God showed up to Nathan and he says, Nathan, I heard what you said. I heard what you told David. And you need to stop. You're going to have to go back. You're going to have to talk to David again. Because that is not what I want. God goes on to transcribe a message to Nathan. And I want to be honest with you. It shares a lot of information. It shares who is going to uh, end up building a temple for him. Who's going to build a house for God. And uh, spoiler alert, it's one of his sons. And God goes on to say a lot of things that bless David. But to the point this morning, what we have to recognize is what he says. What God, what God says to Nathan. God says, stop. Cease, desist. David, you're not the one who's going to build me a house. And now is not the time for me to have one. In no way have I asked you to build me a house. It's not what I want. It's not what I need. Nathan, you were wrong. Your advice was poor. Do not follow your heart, David. Right? Is that what he's saying? Do not follow your heart. Do not do what you have on your mind. Now, can't y'all just see Nathan having, I mean, this is a big deal, right? He is, he is the prophet of God. He is the one that talks to David, or talks to God, hears from God. He shares it with David. And now he's got to go back and he's got to say, Hey, uh, David, I, uh, I, I know what we, what we talked about. And, and yet you told me your plan, kind of. And, and I said to do that. But second thought, God came to me. And that was bad advice. Can you just see this? It would be awkward, wouldn't it? What if David had followed through with his plans? Okay, let's just talk about this for just a second. Look, can we get, can we get real for a second? Shake your heads, yes, can be real. All right, let's just be real for a second. Think about this. Think about the calamity that could have occurred if David had just proceeded with his plans like what? Because last week, somebody died because they tried to catch the ark when it wobbled. If you didn't hear that sermon, you should go check it out. The kind of poles that they carried the ark on and how they carried the ark, that mattered. Now you got David talking about building a permanent location for the ark it's kind of a big deal right this this could have turned into an absolute mess but luckily God decided to stop them or there's no telling what could have happened I'm not saying that David or Nathan had bad intentions I'm not saying they would have done anything incredibly wrong or anything like that but I am telling you this they were about to be outside of God's will they were about to do something that God didn't want and that's a dangerous place to be that's not where David wants to be and that's not where we want to be so here's my point this morning are you ready let God have the last word let God have the last word so if you remember I told you what Ronnie's point was last week 
And Ronnie's point was, read and follow God's instructions first. Well, I'm going to add to that. Read and follow God's instructions first and let God have the last word. What Ronnie and I are making is a great decision sandwich. Okay? Y'all like, like that? It's as clever as I could get. You want to make a good decision sandwich? Then the top bun needs to be letting, reading God's instructions first, and the bottom bun needs to be ensuring that God has the last word. That's how you make a great decision. That's how you make sure you're within God's will. That's how you make sure you're doing what God wants you to do. You let God have the final word. How do we do that? Well, we talk to God. In any decision you make in this life, one sure way to avoid calamity, one sure way to avoid being outside of God's will and, and facing something really difficult is before you pass go, before you click start, start, before you sign on the dotted line, make sure that you've given God an opportunity to have the last word on what it is you're doing. You always have access to the instructions of the Bible, and you should definitely allow his word to be your guide. But eventually in this life, guys, you're going to come across some decision or some idea or some plan or something that you're trying to go to, and guess what? It's not going to be dealt with specifically in God's word. And you have a choice. And you know what the choice is? It's this simple. You can go, well, it's not in the Bible, so I guess I can do whatever I want. Right? Or you can say, okay, I'm going to bring God into this in another way. And you can pray. You can pray and you can give God the last word. Now, I want to say this. I don't want you to shut me off. Because sometimes I feel like when we use prayer, when prayer is our action step, right? When prayer is the thing that, I, that we tell you to do, I think it's easy to shut it off. I think it's easy to go, yep, prayer again. Okay, prayer again. Yeah, pray, pray, pray. Got it. I don't want you to do that today. Those of you watching online, I don't want you to do this today. Okay. Don't just hear pray and go, okay, they're telling Tim and Ronnie, they're telling me to pray more. I get it. I want to talk to you about the practical aspects of this a little bit more this morning. I want to talk to you about what it actually looks like. In my opinion, if you want God to have the last word, then I believe you have to passionately pursue a process. That's a lot of P's, isn't it? You have to passionately pursue a process. And I thought a lot this week about Brittany and I. And please understand that in no way am I saying, in no way am I saying, she's watching right now, no way am I saying <laughs> that, that we're perfect at this. Okay? We're not. I know. It's a shocker. We're not. But I will tell you this. More times than not, I believe, over the last decade, we have tried to make sure that God has the last word in the decisions that we make. We have tried to. And how we have done that is we have passionately pursued a process. And I was, this week I was looking, I was like, you know, I really want to make sure that I can tell everybody what this looks like and show, every, you know, make sure I can explain this. And it dawned on me that really our process is found in the Bible. And it's Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. And I want you to read this verse with me, okay? It says... Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, 
and the door will be open to you. See, in my opinion, that this verse is a perfect example of what making sure God has the last word looks like. Let me break it down for you. Ask. Ask the question. So if you've got something, you've got a decision, you've got an idea, you've got some big thing in your life, some, something that you've got to decide about, something that you've got to move towards, or you feel, you're feeling like you need to move towards, and I want to tell you how you do this. The first thing you do is you ask a question. Now, I want to go ahead and clarify something. I don't think you ask that question by going, God, should I blank? God, should I blank? God, should I, should I do this? God, should I proceed? You don't ask the question like that. You can ask that question one time. But in my opinion, when it says ask and keep on asking, it don't mean you necessarily have to keep on asking the same question. Think about this, this decision that you have. Think about all the pieces of this and ask every question you possibly can around it. Did you know, does that make sense what I'm saying? Ask every question you possibly can around it. For instance, let's say it's uh, a, a, a accepting a job. Okay? I'm probably going to wish I'd practice this part. Uh, think it, let's just think that it's your, what you're talking about is that you want to take a job. God, do I take that job? God, do I take that job? God, do I take that job? That, you can keep on asking that way. Or you can say, God, do you want me to have this job? And if so, is this job going to help me in some way help more people? Is this job going to put me in contact with people that I can reach? Is this, is this job going to give me more time with my family? God, is this job going to allow me to be more involved at my church? God, is this job going to allow me to be more generous financially? You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there are 8,000 questions that you could ask about getting the job. So when it says to ask, in my opinion, if you want to passionately pursue the process, then what you do is you ask the question and you ask everything that you possibly can think to ask about what it is you're trying to find out. All right, then the next part is what? Somebody say it. Seek. What are we looking for? We're looking for the answer. Right? We're looking for the answer. God, I am looking for an answer. And you have to do that. You have to pursue that as well. Let me tell you, I think that takes one, two, couple of things. First off, it takes time. Because a lot of times what we like to do is we like to go, God, should I take that job? Okay, well, i got to tell them. So call them next morning. God, I'm taking the job. Or God, I'm taking the job. Bill, I'm taking the job. You know, we, that's what we do. We don't give God enough time. So first part is you got to make sure you have enough time. And then what you do is you look for any evidence, any, any little telltale signs. Is, is there any clues? Are there any clues that God is showing me to lead me in a particular direction? Because a lot of times that's how he's going to communicate to you. And so you've got to give him time and you've got to actively look. Is, is he showing me anything that tells me what I should do? Right? And the next part is what? Okay, let me explain this. Knock. So you ask. You ask as many questions as you can about what, what it is you're looking for. You seek. You're looking for the answers. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to come to a place where you've got to, maybe you do have to try to make some sort of decision. Or maybe you do have to start moving in a direction. I'm going to tell you what you do. You go to the door and you start knocking. Man, you see if this thing's open. Is this open, God? Are you showing me that this is the way? Now, raise your hand here if you ever go to a friend or a family member's house. I know, I know we're in COVID days, but do you go to a friend or family member's house? Okay, and let's just assume, guys, for just a second that you know their home. Okay? You know the friend or the family member is home. 
and you know that you're supposed to be there, when you go and knock on the door, do you like, just like, they're not home, and leave? Is that, is that what you do? No. Not if you love them, right? Not if they're people you know. What do you do? I know what I do. I'm a very annoying house guest, okay? I show up. All right, it's not working, doorbell. Nope, not working. Okay. I go to the side door, next thing you know, right? I'm knocking on the side door. Let me try this one. All right, then I'm tapping on the window, looking in the window, right? I mean, that's what I do. Next thing you know, I know where their bedroom is in the house. I'm on the wall. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what I do. You know what I mean? Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you want to passionately pursue letting God have the last word, let me tell you what you do. You start knocking on doors. If you've asked the questions and you've asked them a hundred different ways and you're looking for any evidence to tell you what to do and you, have, you don't know yet, man, start trying some stuff. Start trying some doors. That's how you find out what he wants. And he says in his word, keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Because I want to tell you this. The choice you have is whether you let him have the last word or not. And I want to tell you something. I have been in places and I have done things where God didn't have the last word and I regretted it. And some of you may be there now. I've been there. And I want to tell you something. That is not where I want to be. I want to make sure that he has the last word. And so we passionately pursue this. That's what it looks like to do that. I want to tell you two things, too. And I think you just have to see it in this story. If this is what you want, if you want to make sure that where you're at and what you're doing is in God's will. I know there's some people here right now, you're in the middle of a decision. You're in the middle of trying to make some big move. I want to tell you, make sure he has the last word. And I want to tell you, there are two things that will not stand alone, and you better not follow them. Number one, you can have the best advisor. You can have the best advisor in the world. I'm talking about great people that love you. And I want to tell you, there'll come a time they'll fall short. Raise your hand real quick. Those of you online too, raise your hand if you've ever been given poor advice from somebody who loves you. Okay, everybody in the room raised their hand. Okay, which should tell you something. People are fallible. Maybe they're having a bad day, or maybe they're just busy, or maybe they just don't care enough to think about what it is you're saving, saying. I don't know. But eventually, somebody who really cares about you, the greatest advisor in the world, is probably going to give you a bad piece of advice. Tell you, yeah, man, do it. I like it. Roll on. And that's bad advice. I want to tell you the second thing you can't follow. And that's your heart. And I want to tell you, every song in the world says something about following your heart, right? Listen to your heart. Sorry, Scott, I won't sing to you. You know what I mean? But that's everything, every song in the world says something about following your heart. You know what the Bible says about your heart? Let me just lay this out to you. You know what the Bible says about your heart? It says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. You hear that? This is the last part of that. It says who really knows how bad it is? That's what the Bible says about your heart. I'm sorry. It's real bad news. Some of you are like, oh, man. I want to tell you something. Your heart alone not enough you better not follow it you better make sure God's speaking to it let God have the last word and I promise you if you're looking at his instructions first 
and you're giving him every opportunity to have the last word, he will take you where you want to be. And trust me, that is exactly where you want to be. Y'all good? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for each and every person that's here. I thank you for everybody who's watching online. I'm thankful, God, I'm thankful for the fact that you want to be involved in our lives. I'm thankful that every day I have the choice of whether I take what I'm struggling with or where I'm going in my life or some the big decision or some idea, man, maybe some adventure or some, something exciting that I'm thinking about, God, that I can bring that to you and I can fall to my knees and I can pray to you and I can say, God, where do you want me to be? I am thankful for that. I am thankful that I can come and I can ask that question. And God, that you will begin to show me. If I will give you time and I will actively look, God, you will show me where it is you want me to be. You will show me what you want me to do. And God, I'm thankful that you are patient enough with us that you will let us knock on doors and beat on doors and, and kick doors and everything else to try to, to try to find out. And God, that you will open the one that's right for us. I am thankful for that. And I pray that we never take that for granted. It's easy sometimes to get so wrapped up in our own life and our own things and what we want to do that we just start, we just start bullying ahead. And I just pray this. I know that right now there's some people in this room, there's some people that are watching, and God, they're facing some major decisions. I pray this. I pray that they crack their Bibles open, and they look to see what you have to say. I pray that they hit their knees, and they begin praying and saying, God, tell me, show me, lead me. I want to be where you want me to be because I know that's the best place. I'm thankful that you're not just a spectator. You're not just sitting there watching us live, that you want to be involved in it. And I'm thankful that every, the more we involve you, the better it gets. The more we let you have, the better you make it. I'm thankful for that, God, and I just pray that that's what we'll see. That's what we'll see in the people around us. We'll see a group of people at this church who are living for you, living in you. And God will give you all the glory for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for being here today. We love you so much. Hope you have a great week. and Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye.